1: I tune into the HCCU Sports Lab to see if my team want to law If they loud, I'm quiet as a mouth. Ah. But if they want, keep tired. Yeah. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Caville. Yeah. he know what he be talking yeah. about. Talkin about. My control, talkin they know what they be talking yeah. about. Talkin about. Yeah. Talkin about. They can press the analytic data with your hip hop. Yeah. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want to log. Yeah. Yeah. And ball, ball, ball. So listen to Professor uh, Yesler. But
2: I'm
3: going to start, start off somewhere else so with some other statement. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Welcome to another episode. Mike, man, you missed 250, man. We just climbed into 251. What's going on? How's it going, Mike? 250, man, I
4: missed that. I'm sorry, brother. Sorry, I'm going to play catch up. I'm gonna have yeah,
3: no problem. No problem. Be this,
4: I'm, we all I'm gonna be this natural
3: disruptive force. <laughs> be this natural this disruptive is Dr. force inside the sports lab. Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, Mike the disruptive force, aka Professor Washington, Professor Bishop. How's it going today? Doing well, not doing well. Getting geared up for uh Jackson State spring game
2: this uh, weekend. So i uh, get an opportunity catch a little bit of the sight sounds of everything that is Jackson State football get a little tailgate in Mike you know about the tailgate
4: right oh yeah yeah I know about the you got a little something something I can't say nothing
3: (laughs) you know you know Mike that tailgate connoisseur he just tailgate connoisseur yeah yeah he goes around judges people's tailgate get all in They get I don't know how he gets around make sure he gets some of that Ooh, though, he just has a magic way of making sure to be like, Hey, you want to share this? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> It's all right, I'm a foodie, baby. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, man. You're a foodie. So, welcome to episode 251 of Inside the HBC Sports Live radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash, all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture. HBCU Athletic Aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU Athletic Programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Piotr, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, for filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCH 1230 AM Studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, multi-famer and literally just got inducted this past Saturday in Dallas to the Texas State Black. Uh, Hall of Fame, yeah. Got his purple jacket and everything. uh oh, cool. look, look so cool. cool. still looking, yeah, still looking sharp out there, Cooper. I see you with the jacket on. You wear it well. You wear it well, as they say. Yes, well. We yes, we owe you uh, uh, a beverage of your choice. We'll, put it <laughs> you hey, we'll make sure you get that. and he, know, home if if that he, me, you he know if him, he would me, he know, know if he
4: with me. It's got to be
3: one beverage, one shot, of something. <laughs> Hey, say man, you telling the people too much. You telling the people too much. They already heard about,
5: about you
3: tell Now you go tell about the other side. Some of us have a reputation to uphold out <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to say no names, but that one over there with that red shirt on JSU. <laughs> he, he, you know what he trying to uphold. Never mind. Hear no
2: evil, no see no evil.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, Professor Bishop, you say you getting ready to get down now? Oh man, it's nice. Uh, so, um, this the big weekend? Uh, one of
2: uh, you know it's blue and white week uh, this week of Jackie State. They're celebrating all things spring sports, but you you get a little taste of football this week, and then you get a little bit more of a taste on the twenty fourth of April.
3: I, I remember those days when Ashley kind of put that out there at the Prairie View. We'd have these spring mixes, and you'd have all these spring contests going on with the track and field, softball and baseball, and you'd have these multiple weeks of events, man. It, it really brightened up the yard and had a lot of folks find a way to make a trip. So kudos to Ashley. Robin says he figures out to continue to take um, providing that athletic touch. He does to the next level. And right now he's shining bright. Uh Most recently named Athletic Director of the Year. MCS no, level. No. So kudos to him. He finds a way to get it done. Boy, I tell you. Jackson AD State. AD of wow. the Year. Yeah. <laughs> can you believe that? Man, I need to check who was voting on that. I need to talk. That. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kidding. when you know you can
4: have a pimp stroll. When you have AD <laughs> of the Year. And you <laughs> like, a swag championship and AD of the year. You're going to stroll <laughs> officially with that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> multiple swag championships, multiple swag championships. You know, he's going to call us in Texas if we don't get it right. This is true. Uh, with the, <laughs> let's get in here and shout out to some of the listeners out here, man. They've been uh, blessing us. So I want to shout them out before we go to y'all and get you some updates and news. I want to shout out for all those as we getting going Franklin Nelson, AB Drew is in the house, Wendell Davis, as we said. Ricky Burton, but with that, let me go to you, Charles. Pretty big news today, and I think this was uh, significant.
2: Notre Dame football to host the HBCU for the first time ever as Notre Dame will be taking on Tennessee State uh, in Notre Dame Stadium in 2023. Uh, The game between the two historic college football programs is set for September 2nd, uh, 2023. It was announced today, Uh, and this is a statement from uh, – uh, James E. Rohr, who's the University Vice President and Director of Athletics, Jack Squabbert, were excited to bring a pair of great academic institutions that are steeped in tradition together in 2023. So kudos, Tennessee State, University of Notre Dame, they will be getting together on the football field. You
3: know, I don't know why you two didn't tell my kudos. Not, I, don't, I don't get excited about these power five matches. I don't know why y'all just get all excited. Shit, they wouldn't play you 50 years ago when you could have busted their head. Uh, But that's beside the point. They got all the money now. They buy you out and send you down there. Now, there's a couple of things I will say. I hope the revenue that they use for the program goes back and not just balances the budget. That at least part of it is used uh, to invest into the football program to help build up the program. And in a lot of places, that's done so that is part of it. And I can see that going on, but um, I just don't get excited about these matchups. I think there's other ways the athletic directors can generate revenue. I think this is a quick fix. Certainly understand that to some degree, um, the framework of such rich traditions between the programs, uh, but there's such in different dispositions in terms of the financial situation. So yeah, uh, I don't I don't know. I'll go back and forth in terms of uh, just reporting the news as you did, but there's something about it that just doesn't rub me right in a lot of ways. But kudos to Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. No, that- Brother Washington, what do you got? What are, what are your thoughts in terms of some news that you want to get out there? Yeah, I
4: just uh, I echo your thoughts. I don't get excited about those games. Um some would argue that it's about exposure, but if you lose a certain way, how much exposure, what kind of exposure are you seeing? I'd also echo that you know your thoughts that hopefully they would use those funds to kind of reinvest back into the institution if you're going to play those kind of games. But I just think there's a more creative way to 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 bring revenue back into the school. Having said that, less than, less than a month after you know finishing one of the best. I guess, seasons in decades, Savannah State was faced uh, with the task of having to find a new head coach. So Sean Quinn, uh, leader of Savannah State, they went – they had a huge record. Unfortunately, they didn't make it to the championship. Had a great race. So now where are we at? Four or four, five months later, where are we at? Well, the new leader for the Savannah State uh, football team – uh, which, who has interned for four NFL teams and coached over 30 all-conference players, uh, is none other than Mr. Aaron Kelton. So uh, he is the 27th head football coach, director of athletic, according to director of athletics, Opio Marchariki, who announced that today. So Mr. Kelton arrived on campus this morning to meet with the team, he has said, if you look at some of the social media posts, that his number one priority will be recruiting. Um, there were also questions as to why it took so long. Uh, maybe it's the layover between, you know, fall and spring. There are a number of reasons given out, but, you know, com- uh, congratulations to Mr. Kelton as the new head coach for Savannah State. They, can on- they only have more of an upswing. They had a tremendous year there are high expectations for them going into uh, the 2022 fall season. Mm.
3: To your point, it's a good idea that he understands the need to recruit because you have this program out there called Albany State right in his backyard. Albany. The East Division. Albany. And that's not to mention Tuskegee. Miles doesn't look to take too far My, a step back with the talent yep. they've been the success they have over the years. So, yeah, the SIAC is deep, and – in terms of just overall Division II uh, football, you still got the big beast up there in the north called Bowie State Bulldogs. Yeah, I know Here's they lost the their defensive coordinator, but <laughs> they still got the head coach right now. Uh, at least, uh, <laughs> as far as we know, Port Street had not made a decision yet, so it seems like they're safe, but we don't know how that will go. Before we get too far outside of this, this football, I did want to spend a little bit of basketball. Obviously, you had the historic HBCU. All star basketball classic in New Orleans doing the same thing or uh, same time as the final four weekend on the men's side that was there in New Orleans. So, before we get in that, maybe get some of your thoughts in terms of you know that game and how it played. I did get a chance to watch it that Sunday. Um, man, in terms of the intensity, you don't see that in the all star, at least in the NBA, you see it in the fourth quarter when they actually are trying to win, <laughs> but they had it the whole game, they were pulling it out. Um, obviously you had a little bit of the turnovers, but you know, when you have people that hadn't played together, you can understand that, but it wasn't a lack of effort. So man, it was fantastic right. there. I would like to get your thoughts on that. Um, but I'm also want to bring up this article by Luke Williams, black college sports page, which HBCU hoops in NIA basketball history, part one and two, um, obviously, the desegregation of the NIA was before the NCAA. And so there's a lot of rich history with the HBCUs associated with that in the basketball championships. But before we get in that history, I will take a step back and ask you your thoughts on the all-star weekend. I'll stay with you, Mike. What are your thoughts in new Orleans about the all-star basketball game and event? Shout out to um, HBCU sports. um, As they were talking about the fact that there needs to be a women's game added to the, A lot of top three things, gave good credit in terms of what was going on there. But one uh, thing that they talked about is potentially adding the women's side. But just in general about the game that was played this weekend, what were your thoughts on what took place in New Orleans? Well, I
4: mean, it it may seem cliche, like the fact that, you know, there was, you know, an early focus on um, J.R. Smith, um, as well as the former NBA player and – I, I like the fact that they did, sh- you know, give him his shine, and they also I think did give some love to uh, this kid basketball coach, Kenny Anderson. So I like that. Uh, hats off to CBS. I also like that it, it gave shine to all kinds of players. So I think who was named uh, who was uh, mb who was MVP was it Taj Green?
3: Who yeah, named- from Benedict, P- Benedict College. Yep. S- yeah, from I- Benedict. C- you C- know, C- not
4: C- not something in the, the swack of the meac So. They also mentioned Bryson Green uh, from Texas Southern. He had his shine. Uh, Hampton's Najee Garvin also got shine. A lot of players got shine. So whether they go to the G League, they go overseas. I thought that that was good. It gave all players shine from different uh, genres of HBCUs over the land, the landscape of HBCUs, you know, so. Those were my takeaways as I watched it. I was excited. There was high scoring. You mentioned the turnovers, but what, you know, what, I guess, what all-star game where there's hype and excitement do you not have turnovers, as you mentioned, with folks who are excited and hadn't played together, probably hadn't practiced much together. So uh, I thought it was well done, uh, and I thought the coverage was – I can't get over the coverage and shine for HBCU athletes.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and to your point, it was first class in a lot of ways in terms of uh, they got the gear. You could tell they were excited about being there, and they got to go to the game, all kinds of things. They had uh, uh, luminaries come in. Maggie Johnson was there um, from, uh, as well as others. So uh, when you saw the backside in terms of what was on Instagram, you really got a good understanding of just how thorough they were in supporting the team So, uh, and the players, I should say, as well as the coaches. What are your thoughts, Charles?
2: Yeah, I thought you all hit on all the key points. Uh, and uh, one of the things I, I took notice of was Avery Johnson uh, doing the color for the game. I uh, thought that was huge because a lot of times when you have these HBCU games, HBCU events, uh, the broadcasting team, you know, you know, quite honestly, they aren't as versed in HBCU culture, HBCU more. But I thought CBS did a great job in terms of highlighting those things, highlighting, uh, like Mike mentioned, uh, J.R. Smith, highlighting uh, – uh, 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 Kenny Anderson as well, uh, and they did a great, great job. I think of featuring the players and, and where they're from. So, but I, I think to your point, uh, Doc, uh, I was surprised the intensity of the contest. Like you said, normally you see All Star games. And it's kind of a dunk fest, you know, it's kind of, you know, for, for lack of better words, like YMCA basketball, you know, was just pick up and run. But, you know, they were running sex in this game, you know, and, and the first thing that jumped out at me were the coaches were like out on the court, like coaching and, and you know, running plays and stuff of that nature. So uh, the intensity was there. I, I thought by any measure, uh, it was a successful inaugural HPC uh, All-Star class and look forward to them, it growing even more.
3: Yeah, no doubt. I, I look for seeing if I can uh, open up my schedule to get out to one of the events. Um, specifically, if it travels with the All Star, I mean, with the Final Four, which is a huge picture. So, <laughs> certainly, if that's the case, it'll be easier for me to make the rounds and get that done. I thought it was interesting because usually you see MIAC, CIAA, SIEC, and SWAC, and they kind of switch it up a little bit. I thought it was pretty cool too, where you have MIAC. In terms of SIC, yeah, SWAC, CIAA. So I thought that was unique to see that framework. So kudos again uh, to all involved in making that happen. I, I, I did think want to give some love. I out. think one thing, Doctor Cavil, the the name, the naming of the teams.
4: I thought that was symbolic as well. Uh, Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I thought. I uh, thought yeah. you know right. normally, yeah, you know, John Clinton, uh, Big House Gaines. So I I just. I You know, those are legends, and I, I like the fact that they acknowledge them by
3: naming both teams after those true legends. Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out. That was a tremendous point when you did that. I um, did want to make sure I give go back to the HBCU Hoops NIA basketball history, part one and two. It's a two-part series. One was released last week. The other one was released this week. Literally today, you can go to honordon, dot com, C-O-M, dot com, and check out Luke Williams' Black College sports page where he has a history lesson. He talks about HBCU hoops, NIA basketball history part one and two, as I said, how HBCU dominance in the NIA paved the way for the, um, he says integration, again, I like to say desegregation of NCA and the dominance today of African-American black athletes at the major college basketball, including this week's Final Four. One of the things he points out in here is the fact that um, during that period of time, HBCUs literally played in 20 championship games, taking home 12 of them. Uh, that was from 1956 to 1980, essentially, over the time period. And you know, I like to cross-reference. So you go to um, 1980, a lot of people remember Virginia Union, obviously, uh, when they won the Division II championship. Uh, at the same time, in the NIA. You had Alabama State with a runner-up. 1967, so when the Winston-Salem State NCAA Division II, NCA championship is at the Division II level. Uh, you following that in 1968. You go back to the NIA. You have Central State of Ohio winning the NIA program to kind of give you a mix. Because if you look at the NIA, obviously a lot of dominance, but you mix in that NCA Division II, you really see that, obviously, 1989, North Carolina Central. As they win the Division II, uh, this is at the Heels. Uh, you see in West Virginia in 1987 uh, play for a, champ, a national championship. They lose to Washburn, obviously the last NIA championship, 1977 right here uh, with Texas Southern University with uh, Coach Bob Morley getting it done, winning 71-74. It's always fascinating when you look at the fact uh, the first HBCU to play for a championship is Texas Southern University. In 1956 in basketball, they lose to McNeese State, who also beats uh, Tennessee A&I uh, in terms of that run. Just fascinating history when we talk about that. So if you get a chance, go and check out Luke Williams' Black College Sports page. You can go to onondon.com again and look in Black College Sports and sync it up there. We'll put a link uh, in the drop-down to make sure you get that information. But I thought it's kind of context to kind of share that as we close up on basketball in terms of what's going on there. You talked about Savannah state hire on the athletic director. You see changes here. Elizabeth city state names, interim athletic director. Um, James M. DeBose junior has been named university's interim athletic director. Go to you all. I'll start to stay with you Charles. Any thoughts in terms of just the churning. We talk about churning with coaches, but you got the churning on the athletic director side, which is also always fascinating to me. Any Thoughts either on this hire or just in general in terms of uh, the training of ADs as well? I mean, uh, that that
2: is one of the things that we've looked at over the past two or three years, the training of ADs uh, as well as the training of coaches. But uh, we've talked about it. It's a new crop of very savvy, business-minded ADs that are uh, taking over some of these programs. And we're starting to see sort of this metamorphosis, uh, if you will, in, in terms of more business-minded thinking, if you will, in
4: athletic administration. Any
3: Thoughts
4: you want to share, Mike? No, I think uh, CB kind of hit it. He said a couple of words that stand out. New crop, business savvy. Um, Those words stand out to me. And I think you're seeing another example of those types of minds that are coming into those positions. And, you know, it's kind of ironic that from a timing standpoint, they're all being kind of named around the same time. They're all kind of infiltrating. But they are kind of changing the requirements of the position.
2: Yeah.
4: And, and what it requires to make it, not only deficit, the opposite, but that program successful. So totally agree with what CB
3: said. Good points, good points. You got any baseball uh players of the week that you want to get up there, Charles? I
2: didn't have uh, baseball players the we pulled up, but I did want to send uh kudos uh to Texas Southern Ocean Soul. Uh they performed uh at WrestleMania 38 this past uh weekend and they you know perform a theme song to WWE wrestler Bianca Belair uh, at WrestleMania 38. And of course, if anybody who's wrestling fans know, uh, it's millions of folks watching WrestleMania. So a huge opportunity for the ocean soul to be out uh, in front of the public and have that brand in front of uh, quite a few uh, new eyes. And of course, Uh, Southern University human jukebox. It formed not only at the HBCU uh, All-Star game, but also at the National Championship
3: game. So uh, kudos to both of those band programs. Yeah, good point. When you talk about the bands getting showcased and getting some time, both in terms of Sunday at the HBCU All-Star game there, and then again during the halftime of the Final Four, the championship game to be exact, and then the wrestling I thought it was interesting to see how that WrestleMania kind of came into fruition is seeing how Texas Southern performed uh, in Fort Worth doing the NCAA tournament. Yeah. uh, Which is really what galvanized the WrestleMania folks to actually make that call and get it done. Or they did well in terms of what takes place there. I will give a quick MIAC softball update, give some uh, shout out to, Julia Garcia has been named MIAC softball player of the week, co-rookie co- of the week. Meanwhile, North Carolina Central freshman uh, Jaden Davis, co-rookie of the week for North Carolina Central, as well as Ashanti Eubanks is the pitcher of the week uh, in terms of Maryland Eastern Shore. As they moved to the uh, upper part of the conference, making a stance there in baseball, when you talk about the honors there for the MIAC, you have uh, Norfolk State Register junior outfielder, Deontay Brown, Coppin State sophomore outfielder pitcher, Jordan Hamburg, were selected as the Miac baseball co-players of the week, Coppin State infielder, Josh Hankins was also named rookie of the week, while Delaware State sophomore Evan Harris earned pitcher of the week uh, for the honors. And like I said, we'll get into the second half and dig a little deeper in there, and we'll get you some updates on the SWAT in terms of uh, honors of the week as that stuff comes up. With that, let's go ahead and take our first or second break of the show, I should say, As we come back in the second half, we'll get into some baseball matchups this past weekend and give you our thoughts in terms of what's churning on baseball. Touch on the records for softball as well. Just give you some updates there. Stick with us. We'll be right back after
0: this break. We'll get into the second half of the show. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge. Featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com
5: mangoes caribbean restaurant 180 auburn avenue right next to royal peacock in downtown atlanta for more info or directions call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com for instant coupons text mangos to
1: 313131 hungry, hungry, hungry.
5: mangoes caribbean restaurant authentic caribbean cuisine
0: For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Press the analytic
1: data with your hip-hop, if you know him like I know him, they to tell you if your team, if they wanna love,
3: laugh, so listen to Professor Yes, and pay attention, cause so I- he to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. We're getting into the second half of the show before we get in the 7 inning stretch. Let's get into this baseball. I'm gonna start with softball, at least give you some updates. And then I want to get your thoughts in terms of what took place more in terms of uh, the, the Some of these baseball games were played this weekend. East division, Jackson state softball, solid eight and four, 17 and 15 overall on a three game win streak. Meaning they, yeah, they swept, they swept. Alabama state is right behind them at seven to five, but do Cookman cook six and five Valley five and six in Alabama. A&M fam, you, uh, Holding on at four and seven, you go to the west. Texas Southern starts to push out a little more, stretch it. They're at 10 and two, 13 and 15 overall. They did lose the last game of the three game set. Uh, right behind them is Prairie View, eight and four, where they took two out of three from Prairie View. So right now, obviously, they have the head to head matchup behind them. It's Southern at seven and five, all four at six and six, 500 on the year. Graveling State at four and eight, Arkansas Pine Bluff for two and 10. So you see what's going on in the softball world there. Key matchups coming up this weekend as we'll keep you updated on softball. Let me give you the updates on baseball because it's getting interesting. Alabama State, 7-2 tied with Bethune Cookman. Yes, that tough lost to Valley where Valley played them tough and got a game there at home, which you just hadn't heard for a while from Valley, so uh, has Tied things up at the top of the standings of the East right now. Both Alabama State, Bethune Cook, sitting at 7-2. Alabama State swept their series this weekend as they go uh, win three straight, as you know, with three-game series. FAMU sitting in third place at 5-3, and 11-17 overall. They took two out of three of those games. Mississippi Valley said 3-6. and six. They did lose the last two games as they had won that first game over. Bethune Cook and surprising a lot of people. Alabama AM, three and six, uh, lost four straight games going back to the midweek game. And then you have Jackson State struggling, surprising everybody. And one and eight, they did get swept swept in their series. You just hadn't seen that in a long time. But Jackson yeah. State, maybe it's just one of those years. We go into the West and we thought, well, maybe that's the same type of thing you see from Southern. No, they dropped and sweep Texas Southern including a big come-from-behind win on Saturday. The win they gained 10-9 as they were trailing, 9-7 late in that inning, but they find a way to get it done, which means they bring out the broom, uh, which puts Prairie View, Ramblin State and Southern in a three-way tie at the top. Prairie View uh, has won four straight after they let Alcorn uh, get a game. Or I shouldn't say let uh, Alcorn got it done. Ramblin State and Southern which means Texas Southern goes from first last weekend to sitting in the fourth spot, I guess. When you look at where they are, Arkansas Pine Bluff is three and six. They've lost five straight. They're struggling now after starting off pretty strong. And Alcorn State is at one and eight, uh, lost three as they get swept in their series two ground. And so that's just a little bit of baseball. What matchups are really – Turning your head, Charles, what's going on in your mind in terms of the baseball in the SWAC?
2: I think the big one this weekend for me uh, was Southern with the sweep of Texas Southern. Uh, We talked about Texas Southern going into that weekend series uh, being dominant from an offensive standpoint, uh, one of the best hitting teams in the SWAC, being able to uh, steal as many bases as they've done. But for Southern, kind of limping coming into that series, for them to get the sweep – I thought that was huge. And then, you know, I, I think you touched on it. I think the one that keeps turning my head is Alabama State. I, I thought they were a better team than Jackson State, but they swept them. Uh, so that's now uh, – Jackson State has not won a series now uh, in the SWAC. It's been a rough year. I know they've had some injuries and things of that nature, but uh, for Jackson State
3: baseball to be in the cellar of the SWAC East, I'm completely surprised. Yep. Although you have Gabe about- – Vasquez leading uh, Texas Southern in the batting at 424 couldn't get quite get enough, as well as Jeremy Gaines sitting at 393. Um, it wasn't enough to get it done in terms of Southern, uh, as they just find a way to get the brooms out. I, I, I was really surprised that they took off three of them, not that they didn't necessarily win the series at all. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts? On what are some of the games that are catching your eyes in baseball and the Slack? This- Past weekend. Yeah, I echo what happened with Southern University. I was surprised.
4: Um, <clears throat> big time surprised I, I didn't expect uh at that at all. I was flabbergasted. So um to see that. So um the other thing that stands out, I think you talked about with Jackson State. Each year we talk about who's the powerhouse in batting and slugging percentage. Nine times out of 10, it's Jackson State. That just ain't happening in the year our Lord twenty twenty two. Not yeah. sure what's happening with Jackson State. The other thing is uh pitching each year. The team that has typically has the best ERA team average, earned run average over the course of the season usually is the one that ends up in the end. And Alabama State a couple of weeks ago, they were at the bottom of the cellar. They're starting to peep their you know their ugly head. And if you look at statistically wise, where they're back, now they're back at the top in terms of peach, pitching. They're the only team. With a team ERA of 476. Now that's not good. Typically, folks, you want one with a, you know, you want a 3.0 or so or, or better, but they their pitching is start, they starting to look like times of times of old. So we'll see. What will be interesting is this preview view matchup with TSU coming up. That's huge. With TSU coming up. And I think Southern after that. So it, I think that West will start to
3: wash itself out. Mm-hmm. Or it could tighten back up. It'll be interesting. And we'll get a chance to talk about some of the matches this weekend. We'll do a little deeper dive on Thursday. But I wanted to stick uh, what has transpired this weekend in terms of Jonathan Thomas and Joseph Cooper, Justin Cooper, I should say, 36 and 24 stolen bases respectively, uh, as well as Jeremy Gaines has jumped up to the third spot with 18 as you see them continue to get it done uh, on, on the base pads wasn't enough to turn it around some key games midweek games you got done today you already have Prairie View defeating Houston Tillerson 17-4 to you have Florida Gators up 11-0 over FAMU in the bottom of the fifth in terms of some early you got Jacksonville Alabama State I'm really interested to see what that looks like Alabama State has along with Bethune Cookman has played well in their midweek games. so fascinating to see can they get another one we saw Texas Southern get a victory last week, uh, as well as doing Cookman a couple of weeks ago. Then you have Texas Southern and Lamar in the second inning scoreless uh, in terms of that matchup. You got Grambling uh, late game at number 19 LSU, tough one there. And you have Jackson State facing off of Lamont Owens hosting them at home. Uh, some matchups will be fascinating to kind of keep up there. Southern uh, versus New Orleans. And you have Arkansas Pine Bluff with Little Rock. What are your thoughts in terms of these midweek games? You have a mix. Uh, with some Division One matchups there in terms of regional rivalries. You have the beat, uh Power Five matchups. And then you have a couple of NIA matchups as well in there. Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of the scheduling framework of some of these midweek games?
2: Oh, uh, the one you touched on, Alabama State and Jacksonville State. That that's uh an intriguing one to me, taking a look at that. Uh, but uh kind of the, the rest of them, uh, you know, it's you know, trying to check and see what you what, what sort of arms that you have going midweek, but I, I think Alabama State and Jacksonville State—that's the one that intrigues me uh, when you take a look at uh, teams relatively on the same wavelength.
3: Yeah, Mike, I want to get your thoughts in terms of some of these midweek games. Uh, how you have different scheduling philosophy. Some of it's based on location. Some of it is based on what do you want to do in terms of your pitching arms and your depth. How you prepare yourself on the weekend? and those kind of things. What are your thoughts in terms of these matchups you see uh, to, today, tomorrow, as well as throughout the year in terms of these midweek games?
4: Yeah, so that Alabama State game is it, definitely one that intrigues me. Are they going to put Breon Pooler, the you know, number one pitcher, and the swack on the mound? He's got an ERA of 1.64. Do you put him on the mound? Uh, they have other pitchers that are in the top ten. Or do you start to really exercise that bench or that death pool? Uh, and t- typically, these midweek games are an opportunity to test that that the strength of your bench in terms of pitching. So I wonder if some some teams will take that opportunity. So you know, for instance, you also have you know Prairie View before their stint with TSU. You know who do, who, who do they have? They have uh, uh, Houston Tillison. So, you know, will they take the opportunity to kind of test the strength of their bench? Because once you get to the tournament play, you know, it's really depth of pitching bench and rotation that really gets you through the playoffs. So I think a lot of times, then they have McNeese State, uh, a team that's playing, you know, fairly decent as well. So the other thing is there is no team in the SWAC right now that is batting over 300, team batting average. Will mm-hmm. they have the opportunity to kind of now kind of reinvigorate the bats because the offensive output for the swag, to be honest, compared to years past is a little bit lower. Do they take these midweek opportunities to say, okay, let's get our bats back in order. Let's see what we can do. So a lot of questions that come to the fray.
2: You know, another question that I have in terms of some of these midweek opportunities is, uh, and we talk about this uh, a lot, is I-, I don't see the midweek opportunities for these uh um, large school teams playing some of these ranked small school teams. I mean, when you take a look in terms of proximity, uh, you got uh, Albany State, you got Miles College in there, you got Talladega, you got Tuskegee, Florida Memorial, Xavier, you know, Southern playing a Xavier, grandma playing a Xavier. It would be fascinating to kind of uh, see a midweek uh, game where where, you know, it's like, here's a good baseball program versus another good baseball program, programs that are perennially ranked uh, in a black black college
4: nine. Yeah, I agree. I wonder when they look at, like, strength of schedule, you you know, you like the two teams who are evenly matched. I I agree with that. And I I don't always see that if you look at some of these matchups.
3: Yeah, I think that's a fascinating question. When you talk about uh, the black college nines, as you said, you, you shout out to Savannah State. They took Miles, which is a solid program. They took them to the Witch this past weekend. Savannah State, one of those top 25 teams. Xavier is playing some really good ball. And you look at the Black College Nines, you see those teams uh, at the top of those uh, rankings to talk about it. And they are regionally in the area. So I wonder, is that purposeful of some of these coaches not playing these teams? Or is that something that's just been a scheduling oddity that hasn't taken place? But those are some things that I've made. Before we get into the top of the hour, I did want to ask a final question in terms of the SWAT, looking at that. We're basically a quarter of the way through uh, the season, right? We played half of the six games you'll play for the first half of your uh, baseball season. And then obviously you flip the schedule and either go on the road or you come home against your divisional opponents. Uh, Are you starting to see anything or is it still too early for you to phase it out? I'm going to start with you in terms of you, Charles, in terms of the East division, West division, either one of them starting to see things uh, that that give you pause or give you consideration of, uh, of what direction things are going, or is it still too early for you, Charles?
2: I think uh, Alabama State, Bethune, Cookman and FAMU have separated themselves in the SWAC East, but in the SWAC West, I, you know, I think it's a toss-up, week in, week in, week out. Uh, when you take a look at the teams over there in the West, Prairie View's playing tremendous ball. They won four in a row, uh huge sweep over UAPB. Uh, you got Southern, big sweep over Texas Southern. Texas Southern, one of the best-hitting teams in, in uh, HBCU baseball uh, and, and stolen base leaders. Uh, so, you know, uh, and then you have a UAPB team that did take a game from Texas, Southern. So I, I think things are still kind of working themselves out over in the SWAG West, but I think over in the East, you have those teams, they've separated themselves
3: out. a bit. So you might, a similar question, you know, are you starting to see any frameworks that really give you pause? Uh, what's asked, interesting is professor Bishop alluded to in terms of the East. Yeah. Three teams that seem to really separate yourself, but remember, you take top 14 of the East division, top 18. So that fourth spot, seems to be a big race between Valley and Alabama A&M early on. Uh, but in the West, maybe it looks like you have the four teams. With Pine Bluff may a puncher's chance to try to figure out if they can find a way to get in that fourth spot. But it looks like uh, right now between Prairie View, and Southern Texas, Southern, uh, as we may have imagined, look to have it locked up in terms of the West. But now they're just fighting for uh, seating. What are your thoughts? Is it just too early for that or is that early indication of what you – think will hold true through the rest of the season i think it's the latter i think i agree with cb i think alabama state bethune
4: and fam have kind of started to kind of separate themselves that's not evidenced just by heads up head-to-head play Uh, if you look at statistical categories who's starting to separate themselves in terms of pitching and hitting um, remember when we talked about this i will keep reiterating this when bethune and fam came to you know the SWAC. we said What's this going to do for the scales of baseball in the East? Who's going to be the top three or four? We expected that to be Alabama State, Jackson State, Bethune, and Pham. Three of those horses are still in the race and have several themselves. There's one of those horses that's kind of fell off the race. The West is kind of looking like basketball season. There's any parity. Any team can beat any team. Just because, you, you know, I think they had a good stint against UAPB. They still got to play uh, Southern and Texas Southern. And those teams are really, you know, the parity between just those three teams and don't count UAPB out. They could come back and sneak back and get a one, get one. So I don't think the West is settled by any stretch of the imagination. It's too early to tell for the
3: West, but the uh, East, you're starting to see the three. But to your point. It, yeah. To your point, it was fascinating to see prayer. View go on the road, the sweet pine bluff, I never would have thought that happened. So. Yeah, it'll be fascinating this week to see that matchup as Prairie View hosts Texas Southern again. We'll talk a little bit about that specific and some other matchups coming up this weekend as we start to churning and following our. We'll, we'll pick that up this Thursday. Uh, let's take our last break. And we'll get into the top of the um, and look a little bit of the MIAC and Tennessee State as well at softball for Hampton and North Carolina AT. Not a lot to talk about those teams because they're struggling a little bit, but we'll talk about it. And so we'll come back, give Charles a minute to give an update, and then we'll get back into it. So as we get into that seventh inning stretch, take a break. We'll be right back after this break, and we'll get into that ninth inning to see uh, Charles want to go to the bullpen.
0: Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillars of
5: softness.
0: This is soft. Holy
5: Charmin.
0: Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody.
5: Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin?
0: From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slow Burn Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com Slow Burn is Waco's only Mobile cigar lounge Featuring a meticulous Curated collection Of premium cigars It's more than a mobile lounge It's an environment And an experience Rich in history Luxury and personality An elegant extension Of any celebration occasion it's the perfect escape and meeting place, a space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event, or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rivals, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com.
1: But if they won, to half. Uh, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. Press the data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love love, 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 So listen to Professor Yes, sir, yes and pay attention because so he
3: going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Charles, I know I had, we had to get in the break, but I know you wanted one thought that you wanted to make sure you got out of there specifically about the West Division uh, that has you excited thus far.
2: I want to follow up on that point that Mike was making about the parody of Swag West. you we take a look at the top-hitting teams, uh, the top four teams, are all out of Swag West, 6'7", Ben 318, Prairie B, 292, Arkansas Pound, Bluff 288, and Gremlin at 285. Uh, and then uh, you, you kind of flip that, the top pitching team in the Swag, is Alabama, Alabama State. State. So it, it kind of comes back to that age old question does good pitching be good hitting or, or or vice versa? So, you know, normally when we get into a, a tournament situation, you got to have those arms. So.
4: And if I, I let me correct my own data point, I said there was no team, there is one team that's batting, has a team batting average over 300, and that's Texas Southern. So I stand corrected on that one, but that's just recently. So if you track it uh, week to week, so Thanks for bringing that out, CB. But that there is one team that is has a team batting average of 300. Usually, you see about four or five at this point in the season. Yeah.
3: Well, let's get in here and get into the MiAC. Let's start with some softball. We'll do the independents as well. Independents are struggling, so uh, we'll just give an update there and leave it at that. In terms of the independents, uh, Big South for Hampton, North Carolina, uh, they are ninth and tenth place of ten teams. Hampton is doing a little better than North Carolina a t Not much. we will be interesting to see that head-to-head matchup there, I guess. Um, conference-wise, Hampton is 3-9, and nine, uh, just 13-23, three straight losses. North Carolina a t is 2-10, uh, 12-21-0, 3 straight losses as well, struggling there. Tennessee State and OBC, uh, 10 softball teams. They sit at the ninth spot, 2-9, uh, 11-23, and they have lost six straight. So – uh, independent program struggle a little bit. Let's get into the meat Uh, in terms, you saw the accolades in terms of the players of the week Maryland, Nation, Shore, eight and one. The Hawks are getting it done. Uh, they've swept their last opponent as they got in there, Norfolk State, is, uh, in a three way tie with Morgan State, North Carolina, Central right behind them, all at six and three. Yeah, Howard at five and three as well. Then you have uh. Coming in and holding at the bottom of the conference, South Carolina State and Delaware State sitting at 2-7. and Coppin State is struggling for the year. They're 0-8, but unfortunately they're 0-26, uh, obviously, on the season. Softball thought process, you see Maryland Eastern Shore, uh, I think they're really doing solid. It'll be interesting to see if they can hold it down as they seem to be making a statement. Let's get into some of the baseball and ask your expertise of what's going on here. Uh, obviously, the lone baseball team, independent-wise, in North Carolina A&T, um, just not having a good season. At least in the conference race, a little better when they play at home in terms of being right around the 500 mark. Uh, but of the 11 Big South teams, they sit in 11th place, uh, have not won a conference game. They sit in 0 6, three straight losses, 10 and 17, um, and. While you see the football team, many people think they're going to a stronger conference in terms of the Colonial Athletic Association. The Big South is probably a stronger baseball conference than the CAA, so maybe that will help them in terms of they can move for baseball, uh, figuring out a way to get it done. But um, in terms of the baseball for the MEAC, you have your four teams there. It's tight. Surprising, though, you have Coppin State sitting at the top, 75, and guess who's at the bottom? Norfolk State. They North won. State. Yep. They won it last year in terms of the tournament at the bottom, and they were sitting in second place. So they really struggled as they lost two of the four games. They're playing four game series in the MIAC. Coppin State sits at seven and five. Uh, won their last game there. Delaware State and Maryland's Eastern Shorts sitting at six and six. Norfolk State is five and seven uh, behind them, but it's only a two game lead difference. Um, so while they up and go to the bottom, it's really bunched up and tight. I'll start with you, Mike Washington, in terms of the MEAC. Uh, any thoughts in there? And obviously, you can say anything about North Carolina a t if you have some thoughts in terms of how they're struggling the, in the big side. The, 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 the one thing I will say about North Carolina a I'm surprised
4: that they're this much in the cellar. When they were in the MEAC, we were talking about pitching. They had the top pitching for three, four years straight. Yeah, RA's low threes. They had top batting average. I'm like, I'm really surprised that the performance has sunk down. Is it a function of the conference? Has there been a slump off in recruiting? I haven't put my hands on I don't know where the data points
3: lie. And this is a team that didn't play baseball last year. as coming out of COVID, as you're talking about. Uh, obviously, that happened in football. So I wondered how much of that layoff affected them. You saw that a little bit with Bethune-Cookman. At least in football, and to some degree in basketball, it looks like they're overcoming it. But obviously, they had more time. Also, yeah. as they had the whole fall in terms of, of, of softball and baseball, and then you had the training with the coaches. But I wonder how much is this is that COVID layoff? Yeah, so, yeah, I exactly. Get your thoughts on that, Mike, and then I'll ask you, Charles, to give a thoughts on both. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So,
4: so the other thing I wanted this Maryland Eastern Shore team. <laughs> They got some studs. They got Tatum Kelsey, Julia Garcia. They, they've they got others. They got Kelsey Elstrom, Nola Montaigne, all in the top 15 or so in, in, in batting average. And they are putting up 305. Heck, Tatum Kelsey is not even a player of the week. She's a, she got a slugging percentage that's close to a million. So this Maryland Eastern Shore is for real and they are really uh, kind of separating themselves from the rest of the MEAC. So if you don't have a chance, you need to pay attention to this Maryland Eastern Shore. Um, Mm -hmm. You have some softball teams that kind of separate, but this Maryland Eastern Shore, they are doing it.
3: Charles, your thoughts? Softball, baseball, MEAC, independence, any direction you want to go. And I do want to get your thoughts specifically on the COVID year-off, how that may be affecting a overall, other than track, obviously <laughs> track and field indoor, they haven't lost the step, literally, yeah. <laughs> in terms of what yeah. they able to do and what we I mean, saw uh, in Bethune Cookman.
2: Yeah, let me start there with uh, a I mean, this is completely surprising to see them uh, in a cell of the Big Salve. And I, too, wondered uh, how much of it was uh, because of the, the COVID layoff, uh, uh, which, to me, the question becomes – you know, when you have a layoff like that of a program, how much does it affect the timing uh, with regards to baseball? Because you, you, you talk about all the time, you know, guys got to get their swings in, to, you know, to kind of protect that time and things of that nature. That's why when guys go on the uh, IR, it, it, it takes a second or two uh, for them to kind of get back in the swing of things. So you wonder how much of uh, how detrimental it was to the anti-baseball program uh, that they had that layoff like that. Uh I can't make heads and tails of what's going on uh in the B.A. there. So we talk about parody in the Swag West. That's real parody. Four game series, uh where and everybody is bunched right around each other. When you take a look at uh Coppin State, Delaware State, Maryland Eastern Shore, kudos to Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, huge comeback 12 minute, uh, 12 in and win over Coppin State uh this past weekend. But you know, th- those teams are all bunched right there together, and it's a little bit surprising to see Norfolk State uh, on the inverse end. You know, normally we see them up at the top of the VX standards, but, uh, you know, kudos uh, to Coppin State for what they've done thus far, uh, 76 record. Everybody right there with those six losses, Coppin State uh, was able to get ahead of the curve a little bit this past weekend.
3: Giving some more love to the SIC, Karen Griffin, shouting at Tuskegee. Again, we talked about the uh, baseball program at Savannah State, what they're getting done over there. Um, shout out to Ski as well. Reggie Wall, Austin, talking about CIAA in the house. Uh, shout out to Willie Alexander, representing. He gives a shout out. Congratulations to Mike. I want to say this over here. I saw that you told him thank you. Son's assist record, both for a single game and recently for the team, for the season thus far. Shout out to what uh, – yeah. As we call him Mike, little Mike. I know he don't like that, but, you know, I, I can do that. <laughs> Uncle Mike, I, I, Uncle Yada, I can do whatever. Lacrosse, <laughs> shout out, man. He ain't playing, playing little. He playing big time over there. Getting it done on lacrosse, uh, shout out. Willie Alexander, as I said, gives you a shout out. G-Boom Holly says he'll be on the hill on Friday taking pictures of the baseball game between Prairie V.A.M. As he says, too. That's Texas Southern for those that don't know this area down here. Uh. So just want to give a little shout out there. As we get it done. That'll do it for us today. Thank you for listening to Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Make, you share, make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Camille, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from Inside the Lab and the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington, and Charles Bishop. Hope you enjoyed the show, breakdown of the latest news, breakdown of softball, baseball for the season. And we'll mix in a little bit because next week the polls will come up, Black College 9, so check that out voting. They should be released uh, later to to this evening or tomorrow. So we get a chance maybe on Thursday to give you some updates of uh, how we voted in the poll. Uh, I want to see how everybody else comes together in the overall vote and tell you how I voted. So um, it'll be fascinating to see what that looks like. Who's at the top? Texas Southern was previous there, but hard to get swept and remain at the top. We'll see what other folks think. Again, I want to Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside of HBCU Sports Live with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday, right here at six o'clock. We look forward to next week. And Thursday, as we discuss the latest news of the lab, follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Bill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's DR, K E N Y A T Again, that's DR, K E N Y A T Follow Charles, the pregame show, as they give you some insights of what's going on this weekend. Uh, they'll be live in the color. First time they kind of bring you back from a football perspective, you know they gave you some insights in terms of basketball season, uh, particular uh, men's and women's, especially for the women's. They give you all the way to trip into the NCAA tournament, so you saw some updates there. Keep a look on them, and then obviously Brian and AD as they do it every Sunday and Wednesday, guys. As they give you updates. Oh, and G giving you some insights on fam you in terms of what's going on down that way. Uh, but download my JBN, my BCSN. Uh, go to check us out, my JVN, in terms of YouTube. Make sure you get that done. Again, inside the HBC Sports Lab, one on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's inside the HBC Sports Lab. Dream big, continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles. course. Mike. Lecture. Dismissed.